interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 84 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. Hello there. <laughs> nice. And Josh. Hey there, humans. And hello back at you, Rob. <laughs> Today on the show, we will be covering... <laughs> Nice. Today on the show, we will be covering Detective Comics 1056, Joker number 13, Trial of the Amazons number one, Nubia and the Am- Nubia and the Amazons number six, uh, and Superman, Son of Kal-El number nine, uh, with some spotlight titles before we get into that. Of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. If you would like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcasts for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord, as well as other exclusive content available on the network. But with all that said, let's get into some news for this week. What's new in the comic world? Rob said before the show he's got some news. What's going on over there, Rob? Yeah, I'm just trying to remember if I forgot one. Um, yeah, I feel like I forgot to write one down. But so we got casting news for the upcoming CW Gotham Knights TV show. Not to be confused with the upcoming not CW Gotham Knights video game. I say upcoming <laughs> and I use that term very loosely because it's been almost two feckin' years and we've had nothing. But apparently, nothing. <laughs> apparently it's what this year. We'll see. I think the show is going to come before the video game does point is uh, and i'll be honest i do not have the actors names up because i suck at my job but harper Rowe and cullen Rowe are getting live action versions finally uh, i say finally they've only been around like maybe less than a decade but it's still exciting i think uh whether you're excited or not for gotham knights it's cool to see harper Rowe, bluebird and her sibling get a, a little bit of love you know They've been Absolutely. around in, in Punchline as a backup, but that's just a backup. And she hasn't been in the main books and the main Batman stories in ages. Uh, so I'm just happy to see them getting some love. Um, and it really does open up the doors on what they mean by the children of a whole bunch of uh, Gotham villains. Where it was kind of muddy whether they were talking about like... Poison Ivy have a kid, does Penguin have a kid, Riddler have a kid, and those kids are going to be going with this other kid that was raised by Batman, or what's going to happen? So it, it looks like you're going to have Harper Row and Cullen Row, and I suspect it's probably going to be Tim Drake, hopefully. And that would be cool. Steph, and you're going to have Cass, and, and you might have... Um, blanking on every other name now <laughs> but i could see because a lot of them are are the children of villains already so i think with with harper very true Cass is uh or sorry steph is definitely a shoe in being the daughter of clue master yeah yeah so there's the dad that's in the tv Who i always the comic world right? so, i always mistakenly want to call him taskmaster taskmaster Oops. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Wrong, guys. A British comedian, but that's that's still an awesome show. <laughs> um, yeah, Comic World. I think it was today I posted in our 
Discord group, Marvel has announced from none other than Black Eyed Peas' own Taboo is writing Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which is going to be a little bit of a different take on Spider-Man as a whole. The cover art alludes that he might be actually killing some people. He might be possessed. I don't remember the name of the character that is going to be in it, but it's a character that has been involved with Danny Moonstar. Um, Big Bear, something like that? I don't remember. There's some kind of bear. And he's going to be terrorizing Los Angeles, so Peter goes on down to Los Angeles to take a gander and see what's going on here. And there might be some actual death from Peter Parker. Uh, we'll see where that goes. It's going to be a new, interesting take on Spider-Man. I'm not the hugest fan of Spider-Man comics, but I might take a look at this. It looks exciting. It looks interesting. Interesting indeed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the biggest news I'm most excited about today that happened from recording time about two and a half hours ago, Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer dropped today, May 25th, season premiere. For all you Star Wars fans out there, I know you're tired of the Book of Boba Fett. I know you're wondering, like me, why is Cassian Andor getting his own show? It makes no sense. But Obi-Wan fucking Kenobi, hello there. That was my intro. <laughs> this is when the fun begins. Oh, I don't think so. I'm not brave enough for politics. I could go on. <laughs> so much fun. Oh, my God. And if you haven't seen the trailer, we all know what everyone's favorite Star Wars song is. And while, it, yes, the original theme is amazing, the, the uh, Imperial March is awesome. Really, it's Duel of the Fates. You can't tell me it's not. Duel of the Fates is the best song in Star Wars, and it's in the friggin' trailer. I'm done. That's I'm awesome. Spent. I'm sold. That, to quote one of our co-hosts um, in a in one of the different shows, we've got it not a robot. Please don't boba our Obi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't hate right. Book of Boba Fett, though. I, I really enjoyed the entire run, but I, I did read a lot of the complaints and criticisms people had. There were some valid ones that were out there. Yeah, there, there were some. I think some other ones maybe have been a bit blown out of abortion, but yeah, there, there were definitely some valid criticisms. Brandon, man of a thousand jobs, did you get a chance to read any comic book, or comic book news this week? Uh, nothing substantial, just the, um, uh, I guess, lettered preview that they released for Flashpoint, uh, Beyond, number zero, from, uh, Jeff Johns and Eduardo Riso, um, which, uh, at least from the couple of pages that they released, seems to be building off of the events of Doomsday Clock, which is interesting, um, mine and Marionette are there, and, um, you know, the kind of big reveal is it's got some kind of connection to Janie Slater from the original Watchmen. So um, it looks interesting, very moody, um, but uh, still a lot of mysteries there. So Flashpoint Beyond Number Zero has its preview out that you can uh, check right now. Yeah, I uh, I saw some stuff about Flashpoint Beyond too. Um, a lot of places are bringing up that chalkboard again that we saw so long ago with Dr. Batman standing in front of it. Um, The big thing being that this is proof that 5G has been completely done away with, but 
the thing is the whole point of 5g if i'm if i'm not mistaken was to cycle out the legacy characters and replace them with new ones clark for john bruce for tim etc but that's pretty much what is happening and i I don't have a problem with that but if you're gonna tell everyone that you aren't doing something and then do it anyway i mean that's a vladimir putin thing isn't it (laughs) I mean, jokes aside, it does feel as though we're in the same river, if not the same boat as 5G. I am very curious and honestly excited about where this could go. And also related to that info is uh, the fact, and I don't, I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but apparently subject one is going to be showing up in the book as well. That's the Superman of Flashpoint. And like Brandon said, Mime and Marionette will be there on the side of Dr. Batman. They're going to be good guys this time, if we are to understand that Dr. Batman is fully a good guy now. Um, Speaking of Batman, uh, apparently we're going to be getting another new Batman villain in the upcoming Shadow War Alpha book that goes by the name of Angel Breaker who is supposed to be an ally of Talia al Ghul, which solicits have revealed could very well die beside her father, Ra's al Ghul, who definitely is going to die. Uh, Shadow Shadow War will be a six-issue event, two issues in each of Batman, Deathstroke Inc., and Robin, all being written by Joshua Williamson. And uh, from that teaser image, as per the usual, Victor Bogdanovich is on fire, man. It looks good. In other news... Those look amazing. Yeah, tell me about it, man. How many times have they died before? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Nothing matters because everything matters. But uh, speaking of upcoming events, um, the other big one that's coming out here, arguably probably more more large, I said more bigger, uh, probably bigger than Shadow War, is uh, Dark Crisis coming up. They dropped the reveal for the cover art of Dark Crisis number one, showing Darkseid holding Doomsday on a chain like a dog. And in other cover art news, the variant for Dark Crisis number one shows us who the new, very likely super temporary Justice League lineup will be of... No big surprise. John Kent, Superman. Yara Flores, Wonder Woman. Green Lantern, Joe Moline. Jackson Hyde, fully as Aquaman. And the new Batman, Jace Fox. That's pretty much all the news that I've got. So it's all the news that fits. But I'm t- every old person out there listening got that. Anyway. <laughs> put the spotlight on the news. Do we have any spotlight on reviews? Uh, I do believe we do. Um, starting with uh, Batgirls number four, uh, fourth installment in the uh, six-part uh, arc, one way or another, uh, brought to us by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad doing the story, with art from Jorge Corona and uh, colors from Sarah Stern, and of course letters from Becca Carey. Uh, the Batgirls are still fitting into their new neighborhood in the hill, um, trying to uncover the mystery of the mysterious tutor uh the mystery of the mysterious tutor is a bit redundant but uh, we'll work with it um before they run into babs's old flame charles dante who uh clearly has some very suspicious stuff going on uh, given the fact that he recognizes the batgirls but the batgirls don't recognize him 
He knows a little bit more than he's letting on, but uh, we'll get to that later in our, our big reveal. Uh, but thankfully, the Batgirls are able to uh, uncover the location of the tutor, track him down to this uh, kind of crappy warehouse area, and give him a serious beat down um, before taking him uh, <clears throat> to uh, Babs's, uh, well, not X, as, as she yells over the intercom, uh, but to Charles Dante's place, uh, given that he had worked with Arkham or was a part of Arkham um, and uh, is, is known as a, a well-known art therapist and that he'll be able to help Tudor deal with his crap. Um, and that's when we uncover that uh, this uh, man who had been very skeevy from the start, this mysterious Charles Dante, is none other than the man that Rob and I had speculated was going to be appearing in this series, and now we get the full confirmation he is none other than Spellbinder. Yes, that Spellbinder, or an earlier incarnation, as it seems to be, from uh, Batman Beyond. Um, solid stuff. I don't, uh, I don't have a ton of complaints. Um, I think I've kind of settled into the writing at this point. It still has its quirks, but uh, there's really nothing I can change about that. Um, Jorge Corona's art is very right. expressive and very dynamic, very exciting. Um, and I, I still, in particular, love the way he draws Steph and Cass in their costumes. Um, and I'm at least interested to see where the Spellbinder storyline is going to play off, um, just because I think Spellbinder's a pretty cool villain character. So I ended up giving this one a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, nothing spectacular, but uh, solid enough. Solid enough. Um, as far as me, it's it's good, but I hope it gets better. I I I love the Batgirls and I love or Oracle. In this particular issue, I don't love the unnamed narrator. It kind of felt like it was a step outside of the whole book, like an attempt to break fourth wall without it really breaking fourth wall because of the caption boxes reminding me that, like at first, I thought right off the bat, this is Steph speaking, and then it makes it pretty damn clear it's not Steph speaking. Um, I don't love that they got Steph talking like a 13-year-old girl, and Babs breaks into that kind of babble at at the same time, too. Uh, and it does seem like they can't figure out like the, the middle ground of where to put Cass. Either Cass is pretty much caught up on the world around her and she's just not a big fan of it, or she doesn't know what poker is. Uh, Jorge Corona is a great artist. I won't deny that whatsoever. In this issue, I don't think it was quite as good. I kind of felt like it was a step down from what we had seen before in previous issues. Uh, it did just a bit... Of, the inconsistent writing for me as far as the voices for the characters, which is always something that's big on for me. Um, it, it, it's, it just grates and it makes it a little hard for me to enjoy it quite as much. And that, that bugs me because again, I love the Batgirls and I love Oracle, even though I really wish the Batgirls would get different names. That's not huge, but I, I just, I, didn't love this, so I gave it a 6.75. Yeah, How about you, Rob? There, um, I'm still having trouble getting into it fully. It's, I'm realizing with this issue, I might just not be the target audience, or like I keep saying, I'm just tired of the Bat Fan. I was wanting this book for so long. 
when they both switched costumes into a full-on bat logo and started calling each other batgirls like, okay we can do this have the three of them be in a book together and call it batgirls and it happened and i was excited and i'm disappointed that i'm just not enjoying it as much as i thought i would but like i said maybe i'm just tired of batfan because they're friggin' everywhere and spellbinder while just introduced has been a little underwhelming with the story so far i'm gonna give it i'm 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 waiting to see where that's at because batman beyond spellbinder was a was a good character the rest of them not so much yeah yeah well, well i'll see where this one goes for sure the the horns coming out of the eyes are very curious that's probably the one thing i'm most interested in right now is how the hell that works mm-hmm. Uh, Tudor has been very underwhelming in my opinion uh, I'm still going to read the book I'm still going to see where it goes I'll give it to the next story arc before I, I pass full judgment on it uh, but for now it's a 6.75 out of 10 as well alright 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 well on to our next book for our spotlight section I am Batman number 6 right Away from Gotham, but not away from the Bat Family. <laughs> no. <laughs> written, not, not written. Not quite. Not quite. R- written by John Ridley. Art by Christian Duce. Brandon, how the hell do I say his last name? I believe it's Duce, but I'm not entirely sure. All right. Uh, art by Christian Duce, we're going to go with that, and Rex Locus on the colors, letter by a larger world studios, Troy Petiri, with Ken Lashley and Juan Fernandez on the cover, and that looked pretty good. Um, one thing I want to point out before I get into it too much is that DC has gone to great lengths to differentiate Jace from Bruce, and that it's mentioned quite a few times in this issue that he's not the Batman, just Batman. Uh, okay. Um, the issue starts out with a press conference about an ongoing investigation of Devlin Rubel's murder. That's where we find out that the task force mentioned last issue is called Strike Force Bat by the press. Nobody in law enforcement enjoys that, though, so they brush it off. Later, Batman tells the police that he won't work the case because the rich don't get priority and there's a lot of stuff going on. And as a, as a big thing that he's investigating is gun runners. Now, the police offer to swap it. They're like, this is a superhero case and we'll take care of the, the gun runners for you. The problem with that is that gun running is not an NYPD issue. It's a federal alcohol, tobacco and firearms issue. So they wouldn't be taking on gun runners. Um, but Batman does take on the murder case. Chubb the uh, leader of the task force pulls out like some major hate vibes for basically anyone she's ever met. She's, she's very, very pissy. Um, she's got quite the edge on her later on. Batman tracks down the former bodyguard of Ruble and beats him until he says he didn't do it. Just that Ruble was sleazy and tied up with some pretty bad dudes. Turns out they were really bad dudes. While he's running down leads, Batman that is, he apologizes to Chubb for not taking the murder case, which makes Chubb forget that she doesn't like him, or at least reconsider that. With nothing to go on at all, Batman finds what he's looking for and stumbles into a room 
that looks like it might belong to Joker's little brother. There's weird paintings, weird sculpture. It's a real smart, small room. Very weird vibe going on here. So, uh, Christian Duce, he, he, he hit what he was going for. Cause I opened that up and it was like a Joker version of seven. <laughs> um, uh, and that's when a guy with some kind of twisted ocarina of time mask uh, with a brown trench coat on holding a clothes iron with spikes on it walks in and asks Batman if he wants to make something beautiful. And judging from the next caption, this one guy is named Man Ray. I thought this was okay. There were some glaring jumps in both, er, excuse me, in the plot. And honestly, no one seems to have conviction except for that racist police chief, and he can go somewhere. I do really enjoy the art in this, but I think you can kind of tell how I feel about the issue in my summary. I just, I want more out of this Batman because I love the character, similar to my problem with the Batgirls. There's not a, a, not a single issue where it's, it's sped through making leaps and bounds to get to an end to get to an ending just to introduce a, co- a costume villain. Like, how the hell did Batman know where to go? Ultimately, I gave this a 7 out of 10. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little different there. I'm honestly loving the direction that the story has gone. I think New York is, so far, the perfect setting to begin Jace's journey as just Batman not mm-hmm. the batman <laughs> i guess if you have to differentiate them somehow you gotta do it that way uh <laughs> the the art is still wonderful uh, i really enjoy that i do hope we get a lot more interesting story in with with sorry with this character in this book i wouldn't mind if we see jace kind of shying away from costumed villains for a little bit uh, That's what I was hoping for. Real crime, yeah. It doesn't always have to be a costume villain. Leave New York for Marvel; they've got enough characters there. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I like seeing him go after crime families and shit like the like you know, like Batman used to with the car, you know, with the Falcons and all of them. I think that would be great. It's like you said; it really New York City is the perfect setting for this character i was just hoping for a little bit more of a grounded take um but we then again we don't know what this man ray is going to be like so i suppose we'll find out he he he's carrying around a clothes iron with spikes on it though so i'm i don't think he's exactly sane yeah yeah what do you think brandon yeah uh it's uh you know it's it's serviceable um, I, I think, like with the last issue, I don't remember exactly what I said, um, but I think it has a lot of strong elements for it. I like the idea of the task force. I like the idea of, you know, Jace kind of trying to serve the community rather than, you know, just serve rich elites or something like that. All these components are interesting. I think, at least, um, in trying to tell, you know, an interesting story for Jace Fox. But, I don't know, the presentation's kind of flat. Um, and I, I just, I'm not all that interested, um, if I'm being honest, um, in in how it's being presented right now. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I hope maybe it has some kind of turn next that, that'll keep me interested, but right now it's just kind of, you know, it's it's there. So I gave it a 7.25 out of 10. Um, it's very nice to look at, but it's it's not a lot to write home about. That is accurate as hell. I feel like there. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of potential, and it it it's kind of being wasted. Uh, yeah, but the way I, I'm seeing it right now is that uh, John Ridley's kind of setting up the potential still, which is kind of insane. Being what issue seven this is, because um, I, I was reading some of the interactions with the the two sisters, and I'm thinking one of these two is going to be a sidekick. It looks like they're starting that that stretch. I think Tam is going to eventually delve into the world of superheroing and just be Jace's sidekick. Probably not a Robin, but something else. That I wouldn't that be mad at that. With, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against that because that that does seem to happen with every Batman character at some point they get a sidekick. So even Batman yeah. Beyond has had a Robin at this point it was in the um batman black and white story um they basically had her as a, a robin but not a robin just kind of a sidekick working alongside jay so it would make sense right. i think ridley wrote yeah. that story too cool cool i forgot all about that so yeah there we go <laughs> well, that'll, that'll happen all right let's move all right on, well if we're we? finished with gotham for today well at least for a lightning round or, or spotlight <laughs> round. Uh, let's go about as far from Gotham as we possibly can, all the way to no. Washington, D.C. or something like that. In Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes number two, I was shocked we were even still reading this, which is perfect because I didn't read it, so I get to hear all about it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to say all about it because I... I... I cut this down as much as I could. Uh, so this is from writer Brian Michael Bendis with art from Scott Godlewski, colors from Ryan Cody. My screen just went blank. One second. Uh, letters from Dave Sharp. And this is where... Okay, so with the Justice League and the Legion back in the future, surprisingly, Gold Lantern was left behind in the present day. As he's looking around, a dark rupture appears in the sky in both the future and the present, and they seemingly are connected since Brainy is able to contact Gold Lantern in the past, and Black Adam's attack into the dark rupture from the future was seen by Gold Lantern in the present day. And upon this realization, for some reason, Brainiac 5 believes that this is the end of all things. Dun dun dun! I imagine that will come to pass in issue three, which is the final issue of this trilogy, and we'll find out why Brainiac thinks this is the end. As for the main tagline for this entire book so far, the mystery of the Gold Lantern is not much of a friggin' mystery, because uh, who, who cares? Right? <laughs> Nor is it the Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, there's there hasn't been a single fight. There was there was two perfect opportunities for a fight, and they were whisked away very quickly. You could have had Ollie jumping out of bed, grabbing a bow and arrow, and pointing it at a chameleon boy's face. But even that didn't happen because he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And where the fuck am I? But that didn't happen. So there's not going to be a single fight, I think. Well, I don't think so either. Yeah, 
kind of disappointing considering the title. Um, as for this issue specifically, unnecessary dialogue still, I think, is holding this back from honestly being a solid tale about both teams. I don't mind the story. I think it's interesting, but the dialogue was unnecessary and excessive, especially from the Guardians of the Universe, which... Jeez. You know me. <laughs> I take my lantern <laughs> shit very seriously. <laughs> and that did not sit well. Uh, Gold Lantern specifically, I think, is a welcome addition to the Lantern mythos. I, I've seen other Lantern fans online talking about Gold Lantern and being interested in it. Um, I, too, am interested in it. I think it's a, a, a good idea to see, but being in the future in the 31st century is only going to be so much and so far it's being wasted uh so for this issue 6.5 out of 10 what do you guys think uh what do i think i want to know if i can sue brian michael bendis for false advertising there is no versus anybody going on in this thing um Though I will say we're getting more of an origin story for the gold lantern than we ever did for naomi uh that's specifically about this issue. The art is okay. I I like it. Um, it it's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's he, uh oh shit. What's his name? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, Godlewski. Uh, yeah, Godlewski. Yeah, he's for the most part. I mean, he's not exactly one hundred percent solid every single time, but I mean, he's he's pretty damn consistent. So the, I I enjoy the art. Other than that, it's a whole bunch of story with really nothing in it. It at least, like I said, gives a decent background on a character that he's in, introduced, but that's a, I mean, that, that's a vast improvement over his last few, few years of introducing new characters. And really, I don't have anything else to offer on this issue because it is incredibly underwhelming. I gave it a five. And Brandon, you skipped this one, huh? I did not have a chance to read this one. I was shocked to see it even show up. I figured we were done after the first issue. Yeah, um, me too. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'd be amazed if we made it to three. Um, but uh, no, I did not have a chance to read this one. Uh, unlike next, the next title, which is another one written by uh, our, our favorite uh, author on the show, uh, Mr. Brian Bendis, um, Naomi number one, or Naomi season two number one, or Naomi two number one. Um, <laughs> one of you guys can help me out. Uh, Naomi season two number one, I believe, is the official title for that. Naomi Season 2, Number 1, 2022 Special, Part 6, <laughs> Chapter 4, yeah. Subsection Season. 5. Yeah, go. I think it would just be too scary to have Naomi Number 7. Um, so it has to <laughs> right? be Naomi Season 2, <laughs> Number 1, Part 5 right. of 12. The final chapter. <laughs> the Reckoning. The yeah. Reckoning. <laughs> Well, what happened in it? Oh, you were talking about it. Oh, oh I no, am talking I about I was, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting on you. Yeah. Set up your introduction and everything. 
Well, my mistake. All right. So, <laughs> um, it was written by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker. Our inside and out by Jamal Campbell with Wes Abbott on lettering. Have I said how much I love Jamal Campbell's work? <sighs> okay. Not enough. Um, this issue starts with a lot of teenagers babbling nonsense. It works into Naomi's family doing a lot of babbling nonsense. Then we go back to the teenagers and they are um, babbling nonsense. We in- we get introduced to D, who is a gigantic, huge redneck that is supposed to be Thanagarian. And for me, that didn't exactly line up there. And the only way to gleam that he is Thanagarian, because he just doesn't look like it from anything else we've ever seen, is that he mentions the Thanagarian death axe. Uh, At the end of it, Naomi's dad, dressed like a Flash Rogue reject, is at Dee's car shop, and he yells at her to go home. She wants to know what he's doing there. That's the book. That's everything that happens in it. The art is great, and I can strongly recommend that you go out and buy Far Sector, Price 14, As Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Green Arrow, some some of the Green Arrow books from Volumes 1 and 6. Jamal Campbell is fantastic artist, but buy anything other than this. Um, if you like Naomi, and I do, I think it's a fun, I think Naomi is a phenomenal character. Watch the TV show. It's a CW show for sure. But it's still way better than this. For me, this is drivel with typical Bendis dialogue, and it literally starts the whole book out. And this is the one thing that pisses me off more than anything else. It starts the whole book out with giving it a ludicrous, ludicrous time frame, just like last time, that muddles the entire DC timeline. It says this all happened within three weeks which means that only one week, according to Brian Michael Bendis, has passed since Naomi Season 1 concluded. Because Naomi Season 1 took place over the course of two weeks, which doesn't line up with anything else in the DC Universe. Couldn't stand it. The art was fantastic, but the story and the dialogue and everything that's being brought to the table is not worth your time. Yeah, I gave it a 4.5 out of 10. Well then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I I had one note. Boasts wonderful art, but still bogged down by excessive dialogue, just like Justice League and Legion of Superheroes. I will say Justice League and Legion of Superheroes. There is no versus whatsoever. I'm not right. even 100% sure there's Legion and potentially not even Superhero. I, <laughs> so it's so far not even justice the, the whole damn thing is a lie but naomi season two that's what we're talking about and yeah it's like brandon said just call it number seven why is it season two especially when it's been three weeks the only time i've ever seen another season take place three weeks after the previous season was season seven of legends of tomorrow started literally three weeks after season six ended because tv scheduling who the fuck knows right this is not the same it's been what three years since naomi season one and she's gone on how many adventures with the justice league 
was there for uh, Young Justice, was there during uh, the the Doom storyline with uh, yeah, the but Legion of Doom storyline and Justice all of the, during Scott Snyder's run. All of that took place over the course of two weeks. weeks. No, all that the, yeah. <laughs> That that all took place over the course of two weeks, and it's only been one week since all of that ended. No wonder she needs therapy. Not even fucking Barry right. That fast, like Jesus crap. Christ. <laughs> and, and speaking like, of therapy, what what the hell kind of therapist is that? She, no matter what celebrity you have in your room, you gotta treat your job right, and treat your patient fair. And don't just go gaga over the fact that she knows the Justice League. Calm down. Right. Not exactly uh, professional level counseling there. Yeah. <laughs> I, By about halfway through the book, I was more interested. But the beginning was not. It left much to be desired, basically. But 7.5, I'll give it that because the art is friggin' fantastic. And the end did get me a little more interested. So, there's that. That's me. Naomi. Yeah, there's uh, there's not much to say. It's uh, serviceable, I suppose. Uh, if you're a, a big fan of Naomi, like Josh said, all of her, you know, probably sixteen appearances. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot here for you to enjoy. Um, if you didn't really care and you were someone who sat out on her debut miniseries and other various appearances in the Bendis books, um, then this is probably something you're not really going to care about, and I don't imagine it's going to be very uh, endearing um, to you or is going to get you excited about her mysterious, crazy new adventures. Um, As someone who had sort of randomly discovered Naomi, as everyone else did when the series came out in 2019, it was fun for what it was um and then it was over uh and then i just kind of figured that was it that was bendis's mark on dc and then it was gone but uh lo and behold we have a sequel um and it is just as uh serviceable as the the first series which is to say if you like it you'll like it and if you didn't really care you probably won't care uh, as for me, I'm probably somewhere in between. It's fine. Jamal Campbell is great. Um, and uh, Fantastic. I, I would also say check out Far Sector. Um, N.K. Jemison told one hell of a Green Lantern story, if he, even if it wasn't perfect at every point. Um, but this is, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, I don't hate it. Sure, it has the Bendis dialogue. That's to be expected. Um, I got used to it in Miles Morales and... I think I tried to get used to it in Young Justice, but I got tired of it. Um, but it, it's which, what you would expect, so it doesn't bother me all that much. It's just I don't know how much I really care. So I think I gave this one, if I remember correctly, because I didn't write it down, but probably a 7 out of 10. Um, because while, it, again, it's, you know, I feel like a broken record. It's serviceable. It's more just that I don't really care about what crazy further mysteries you have involved it just sort of seems like a oh okay that's cool anyway i'll uh i'll right. go read my nightwing now <laughs> <laughs> it it upsets me because i mean out of everything that at brian michael has uh brian michael bendis has introduced in dc Naomi's really the only thing that i've enjoyed the character the idea of it and 
it, it just it it feels like a you know like I said just a whole bunch of potential just sitting on the floor and getting kicked around because no one's watching where they're walking and it's getting tangled up with some dust bunnies and um it, and as I mentioned before I've and I've talked about it a few times I do enjoy the Naomi uh, TV show and it is decidedly very very different from what you have seen in the books and I think it's different in a very positive way which sucks because that means that this book could be fantastic and it's just not gonna yeah who knows it's uh it, it, it could be good one day um bring in another writer and, and maybe they'll tell a really compelling Naomi story and then uh, Brian Bendis will still get the credit for it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Damn it. But, uh, I guess that's it with all of that, huh? Yeah. All right. So should we take a brief commercial break before we get into our main books for this week? I do think so. Let's go ahead and do that. All right. Well, we will be back in one short moment, so stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. All right. Kicking off our reviews for this week is our uh, big, dramatic weekly title, Detective Comics number 1056, part Something of the Arkham Tower saga. Uh, I think it's 10, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, So I am going to pass that one over to Rob. All right. Yeah, it doesn't feel... I honestly thought it was like part 8 or 9 still. I didn't realize it was part Mm -hmm. 10. We're getting really close to the the big finish. Indeed we are. If you want to call it big, we'll see how it goes. So this is from <laughs> yeah. writer Mariko Tamaki with art by Amon K. Noah Pan. Uh, color from Jordi Belair, letters from Ariana Maher, and another beautiful cover from Irvin Rodriguez. So Huntress Indeed. is securing Mr. Freeze and heads off to find the security console to open the doors, but she's stopped by an inmate that is trying to stab her. And while wrestling with this man, Harley Quinn, who has been undercover this whole time pretending to be Harley Quinn, but nobody believed her because Harley Quinn is sneaking her way into the security room as well. And she then gets the gates open and all the security is down, which leaves the Bat Fam free to enter and help save all the people trapped inside. Staff, meanwhile, already undercover inside the building, is hidden away with some of the staff and other inmates to keep them safe. But just as they are about to be found, Tim Drake arrives and knocks out the attackers. Meanwhile, Nightwing, currently unconscious, is in a top floor office with Scarecrow, who threatens to throw him out throw threatens to throw him out a window and then drops him instead. Batwoman jumps out of a window a couple of stories below and goes to save him, but loses her grip on the rope around his mid waist. And mid-fall, as Oracle is no longer breathing because she thinks Dick is going to die, Batman arrives in the Batwing and catches Nightwing out of the sky. And breaks Koyuki every Nakano, bone in his body. Is hiding with psycho pirates. Exactly. They are found by Anavulsion, who shoots someone. We don't know who. And according to the text box at the bottom, it's all our fault. So, Thanks a lot, Rob. There's, there's that. You know? Uh-huh. Nice. The last I heard, Psycho Pirate was 
someone's favorite B villain, but not everyone's. So he's probably going to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> As for this, honestly, finally, Tim arrives. Um, I'm happy he's here. He is going to face some flack for this. He, he, he is the third best Robin. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but I'm honestly curious why he wasn't there the whole time. Where, where the hell has he been? His entrance was great, and in my opinion, as was Batman's. But where the hell has Tim been for the first... He had school. He was on a date. Years. Something. Who knows? He was trying to decide whether or not he should wear red or brown while waiting for Stephanie to text him back. Yeah, honestly, that, that's probably the real reason. He's like, well, I know Stephanie's in the tower, and we haven't really had that conversation yet, so I don't really, <laughs> I don't really want to show up too early, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, be fashionably late and make one hell of an entrance. Yeah, it was like, I figure if I save her, you know, I can win some brownie points when we have the very uncomfortable conversation about why yeah. we broke up. Right. Jesus. I mean, I'm I know I've been harsh on this. And while while I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that disagree with me, this to me, it feels like the whole thing was designed to show how inept the Bat family is, how unable they are to take care of the big stuff without Batman. The whole book has been them reacting and being three steps behind, and then Batman shows up to save the day at the last second. Or well, at least some of the day. People are dying inside the tower, but everyone breaks what they are doing to go save Nightwing. Priorities. Meanwhile, either Mrs. Nakano or Psycho Pirate seems to have been shot, one of them. Thanks, Rob. Loads of others simply can't be doing good because the Bat family couldn't pull it off without the commander and Bat. I can't even really can't tell... That. <laughs> I can't even... Thank you. Thank you. I can't even really tell where we are in the Gotham time timeline. Batman just came back. That part makes sense. But Dick and the Batgirls have their own huge things going on. Dick being uh, in Blue Haven and Metropolis nonstop. The Batgirls being constantly hounded by all of their nonsense. But apparently, when it comes to a Bat book, everything for them goes on pause. Uh, the art, however, that remains to be golden. Stay golden, Pony Boy. You rock. I love it. The story, though, I'll give it a seven. Um, but that's because the characters are right. Their voices are right, which are huge to me. It's not because of the story or the plot, which are decidedly not right, in my opinion. I, I gave this a seven, like I said. Yeah, everyone is uh, everyone is speaking uh, as you would expect them to. Everyone sounds like they should, um, but I don't know. It's uh, it's not a mess, but it's messy. Um, and uh, yeah, I I uh, agree with uh, Josh. If this story was meant to illustrate how the Bat Family can work strongly together to kind of contain the Arkham Tower problem. Um, has done a, a pretty kind of crappy job of that so far. If, uh, oh, if hey, look at you, bro. Save the day. 
fucking right. I mean, that's that's the sad yeah. part. We had the opportunity to just see them really shine because they're all amazing characters. We have well established that they don't need Batman, yet here they need Batman. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very much like the uh, anti Batman and Robin Eternal, whereas that story was like, okay, Bruce is has amnesia and is doing his thing. How do we pull the family together to kind of solve whatever the hell is going on with this, you know, orphan mother mystery? And they did pretty well in that one. Um, but I guess here they either forgot all about that or um, they took their stupid pills um, because they really, uh, are just are, are falling short of everything, um, especially poor Nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, borderline. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Uh, borderline incompetent um, in this issue, uh, and has to literally be saved like like um, like he's Robin again uh, by Batman. Uh, More like who, he's again, Lois I, by Superman. Yeah, and and again, I'm I'm assuming that after that catch, Nightwing will be in a full body cast because there's no way that at that speed and velocity you could catch Nightwing without shattering every single bone in his body. Everyone's gonna say superhero physics, but even something like that would at least break a few bones. Actually, quite a few bones, but whatever. A lot um, of bones. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's 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 kind of messy. I I don't know. What the if the goal of this story was to highlight the Bat family, it didn't really do that. If anything, it highlighted more that when you try and contain Gotham's villains, they go crazy, which I don't really feel like is a new revelation. So, yeah, right. it's uh, I, maybe it'll make for an interesting reread, possibly. Um, but I don't know, it just feels like every other you know, Bat family team up from like the 2000s that is forgettable and uh, not very good. So, it got a 7.5 for me. Yeah, but I, the art I, by Aman K. Nahuelpan is very nice. So, oh, it's um, very nice. Yeah, and, uh, and I, nice. I will give credit where credit is due. We are in chapter ten, like you said, and I don't think there's yeah. been a single delay on this book, which is impressive for a weekly title. So, um, good job at least keeping the schedule running. I wish the quality was there. Ditto, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that is exactly what that reminds me of. You made me say that it it does. It reminds me of Superman saving Lois all the way up to the whole. Well, if he caught her argument, she, he would have cut her in half, or or every bone in her body would have been broken. It's it was very reminiscent of Christopher Reeves, and it, I don't know. It just it didn't fit. It was it was loose and and, and messy and. And I'm not going to butcher Tamaki. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, she's not listening anyway because she doesn't yeah. listen for anything lower than an eight. So, Fucking right. <laughs> I think we're in the clear. I think we're in the clear. Oh. I hope I don't sound like a broker after myself, but I still just hope one day we can have Detective Comics be about mysteries. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel there was what if, any what mystery if they, what here. What if they just nuked... Yeah, what if they just nuked the Batman like title logo and just just had it be Detective Comics and it was only the detective characters in the DC universe. So like Slam Bradley, The Question, Elongated Man. How long do you think that would last before people just rioted because they want their Batman fix? There are more than enough Batman titles to get that. Hey, I agree. Um, but I, I would love to see someone with the with the stones to pull off an experiment like that. Just all detective characters, not a single, not a single bat character. 
Oh, not a single bat character. All right. Well, hey, I mean, that could work too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would I would request that Dub Donovan stays a, a big part of that. That's that's that that would be my only request. Yes. But uh, I can agree with that. All right. Let's go to the back half of this one, shall we? Right. I keep forgetting about the backup, and how can I forget about the backup? It's my favorite part <laughs> of this issue. So. <laughs> This one is from, again, Matthew Rosenberg, writing, uh, yeah, writer Matthew Rosenberg, with art from Fernando Blanco, colors from Jordi Belair, and letters from Rob Lee. Our mysterious red-headed boy has grown a beard and is surviving in no man's land with his group of forgotten Gothamites. They go around liberating food and supplies to give to the less fortunate and also donate to Leslie Tompkins' free clinic. He's told by Leslie about abandoned food available and who to talk to, and the boy meets with a mysterious lady, uh, suggested from Leslie Tompkins, and she tells him about a warehouse that was abandoned. The group arrive, but instead are met by Batman and Huntress, who are taking down gangs in the city, and clearly misunderstanding the group's activities, Batman then decides to stand down and lets them go, but the boy instead cannot let go of his grudge against the Batman, and honestly, personally, I'm rooting for the boy at this point. I, he, he's got a heart of gold in mm-hmm. in a bad way. He's had a rough go of it. He's a very interesting idea. He's a self-appointed enemy of Batman that works with Batman's rogues, but ultimately wants to do what's best for Gotham and wants to do good for Gotham. He doesn't want to do crime. He doesn't want to do bad things. He wants to do good things. But he's on the bad guy's side, and he hates Batman. It's it's interesting. We don't even know his freaking name. Bugging the crap out of me. Honestly, this is the mystery. And I like it. This is an 8.5. I'm digging it. It was slow. It was dragging. It's taking forever. And I wouldn't have it any other way right now. I cannot wait to see where this goes. And hopefully it ends with issue... Or, not issue. Uh, part 12 of Shadow of the Bat. Uh, I open this up and I'm like, finally, not a time jump. But there's still an age jump? Cue the confusion. Also, did did I forget that Batman threw this kid off a bridge? I don't remember that. And That was the Azrael Batman, yeah. Ah, not right, okay. The other Batman. All right, okay. Because I was going to say, that's a pretty bad sign, even with my shitty memory. Um. I was <laughs> I was all for this, but now it it feels like it's too muddled and it's all over the place. And honestly, my biggest question that comes out of this chapter is when do we get to move past this backup? I, I'm not a big fan. Um, I gave the backup a six. Again, detective, the front story got a seven. The whole issue overall got a six point five. So there's your eight. <laughs> not quite. Uh, but uh, like uh like like we said she won't listen to it anyway so um yeah the the backup is i i, I was uh i had the same reaction that you did I, I i even threw a party um no more time jumps right um but it still right. has the same problem that it had for the past five chapters or so which is um I don't have a proper term for this effect, so I'm just going to call it the, hey, do you remember this effect of, um, hey, do you remember this from Batman's history? Do you remember 
Azrael as Batman and No Man's Land and Jason as Robin and Bane and Dick Grayson as Robin. And it's like, hey, it's very cool to see those, but I, they're like props. They, they don't serve any purpose other than to further the story of the boy who I lost interest in quite a while ago. Um, uh, I think the only other thing I had in my notes was um, the boy looks like a man but still looks like a boy with a glue-on beard. Um, and it's the worst Huntress I've seen since the Birds of Prey one-shot from Azarello and Lupacino. I couldn't agree with you more. It was it was a terrible Huntress. Um, again, one of the worst I've seen. Uh, Huntress is a teacher of school children. The idea that she would want to round up a gang of children and punish them for being thieves instead of taking them in to Leslie, who she is known to be working with at this time, is so laughably out of character that it, it like boggles the mind um so yeah it was uh, it was not very good uh i gave this one a seven out of ten whole book i would probably give a seven out of ten just kind of a mess messy not not a total mess just kind of messy so i described the whole issue as wildly unimpressive that's that's a very good way to put it <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of things that may or may not be wildly unimpressive, we have our next title, The Joker, number. S- oh my god, I almost said sixteen. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's fine. Um, the Joker, number thirteen, which is uh, is perfect for the Batman. Uh, this is brought to us by the same team as it always is: James Tynan, the fourth, the Tiny Onion, uh, with art from Giuseppe Camincoli, inks from Cam Smith. Colors from R.F. Prianto and letters from Tom Napolitano. This is the everything is coming to a head issue where Joker is being kept in his his laughable little dog cage, fully nude for some reason, uh, as the Hooper family, yeah, or sorry, the Samson family out in Hooper, Texas are preparing a fine cannibalistic cuisine of... uh, Eyeballs, other various body parts, and of course, uh, Joker flesh. Not to be uh, and confused with lemon wedges. fish, which has not been, and lemon witches. Can't forget the lemon witches. Um, yes, and uh, and Joker flesh, not to be confused with Joker fish. I wrote that joke down, and I had to say it uh, because <laughs> Joker fish and Joker flesh, I'm sure both taste as disgusting as you would expect. Um, but before they can get that pot fully sizzling, who should show up but Vengeance uh, to get her own Vengeance. Uh, I am but I'm Vengeance. On, on, on um, the clown prince of crime um, and, and seemingly is trying to take out the entire Samson family um, before they can get their first taste uh, as Vengeance has one mission and one mission only as she has been repeating for this entire series. To kill the Joker, she's getting ready to strike and beat the absolute shit out of the clown before someone catches her hand, and that someone is none other than Bane himself, who says, daughter, we need to speak. You can't go around beating up on, on, on clowns. It's just not polite. Um, and I guess Live Bane. Just gonna, yeah, breathing I, Bane. I guess Jim Gordon is, is just going to stand in the corner and smoke his pipe, because he doesn't really have anything to say. Um <sighs> 
<laughs> this issue was kind of fast. Like it, like I said, it felt very much like a everything's coming to a head issue. We want to get to that big conclusion. So it kind of lost some points for me there. It's exciting, um, and, and Lord knows I, I very much want to see uh, Bane and Vengeance double-team uh, Joker and just beat the ever-loving crap out of him. Um, but we're going to have to wait for the next one. So this this just kind of felt like the setup for that climax. Um, I, I, I did enjoy seeing Joker take the piss out of Vengeance while he's getting the snot kicked out of him. That felt very much in line with Joker and was honestly pretty funny where he's just like, you're a tool. You you are more of a clown than I am, and I'm wearing the makeup. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, it feels like it's it's mostly just set up for the next issue, which is going to be the big conclusion, um, and I'm I'm excited for that. But um, I, I wish that this one hadn't gone quite as fast. So it got an eight out of ten for me. Nothing terrible. It just it felt like all right, we're getting ready for the conclusion, but you won't get that till next month. Um, I still am not a fan of Giuseppe Camoncoli, and I don't think that will change. But at least I know the next issue is the last one, so I don't have to look at it for that much longer. Fair enough. See, um, I didn't think that they were eating Joker flesh. It looked to me like they were eating a whole nother body. And then like... No, they're getting ready to eat Joker flesh. That's okay, why he's naked in his little cage. Gotcha. Okay. If I, I don't know why, but it looked like there was a a, a, a face down naked body on that table there, but... Yeah. Um, no, those are... That's the that's the pre, uh, pre-meal appetizers. Some eyeballs... Um, some some fingers, some other flesh, and then, like I said, your main course, your uh, your most important dish is your Joker flesh. You want that no. well seasoned, of course. Of course. You know, with some Old Bay, as Joker recommends. Oh yeah. <laughs> you need a, You need a. You need a good wine for that too. Um, Indeed. I don't know if you've ever had um, clown meat before, but you want that to be well seasoned and, and paired with a nice wine. Yeah, quite right. It just yeah. tastes funny. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's like if you if you don't season it enough, clown meat's gonna taste very gamey, and you want it to be like really, really, really lush and juicy. <laughs> I'm more of the Joker than the Joker is today. I got to give it to you guys, both of them. That those were some seriously s- solid dad jokes, and I loved every second of it. Uh, no. uh, I loved listening to you guys review it more than I loved reading it. Um, being completely honest, there. Oh boy, um, there was just a lot of stuff that didn't make any sense. That cook throwing that boiling—I don't know if it was if it was oil or just like seasoned water, but he throws it at Joker. Joker gets these big, huge pustules on his face. And then the next time we see him, they're, they're just these little tiny dots that are on his face. And I'm assuming that's supposed to be what happened. But, um, in any case, the, it, it kind of aggravated me, man. When vengeance is about to throw her death blow, her fist is grabbed by Bane. Like Brandon said, live Bane, living Bane, Breathing Bane, not zombie Bane, not actual Bane, you know, the dead Bane that he that has been around in Task Force Z, uh, been dead since A-Day. No. Uh, contrary to Brandon, I did like the art. Actually, I love the art. Um, 
this story has just become completely uninteresting. And forgive me for saying this, but I feel like Tynan is giving this the same treatment he gave to the Batman, which is basically, fuck you readers, give me my money. Um, I don't feel like the story has really done shit, and ultimately it's going to end up being inconsequential. Uh, the area that that usually says next is gone, replaced with the words to be concluded. However, if Tynan's previous ventures into Cape Land have shown anything, it's that this will decidedly not be concluded in any meaningful way. Much like Bane being dead everywhere else except here, it's just not going to make a whole lot of sense or be worth much. Um, unless Joker or Jim die, which will not happen, I feel like this has been a whole waste of time that I could have spent reading other comics. I guess at the end of this, the joke is on me. 5.75 out of 10. Well, I am complete opposite. I guess I'm the punchline. Because I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I need I've a rim shot. The entire run. There's, there's been some lower points especially with those off issues in the past. But when it comes to this main story, I've been loving it the entire time because it has been, and as I keep saying, it's been a mystery. It's been a detective story. There's been intrigue. There's been curiosities. And we're getting to the point now where Sherlock brings everyone to the room as if one of you is a murderer. And it just is <laughs> the draw now like okay now we've got the mystery and now we're gonna pull it out on the table and one more issue left and that's where we're gonna get and it's just a satisfying end to the mystery in my opinion and i'm honestly sad to see it go because i've been loving it so much the thing with bane is kind of bugging me because what the fuck uh last time we saw him he was in pieces to shreds you say uh <laughs> I'm not convinced that he's 100% alive only because of that curious shading around his neck. It looks like it might be holes. Like his flesh is still decaying a little bit. But again, that might just be weird shading on the page. I don't know. We'll see next issue. Hopefully that'll get explained 8.75 for me for this one like i said I, I enjoyed the whole run when it came to the main story and i thought the art was fantastic no i i just i've never been a fan of of Kamikoli stuff but uh but that's just me well we're not done with joker yet we have one more backup story before we close on our well not entirely but at least i would say close on some of our uh, Gotham friends for the evening uh, and this is of course I don't even know what part this is but part whatever of our punchline story this is it this is this is what everything has been building to if if, uh, if the first part of the story was also the uh, uh, I guess penultimate chapter this is also the penultimate chapter as we are finally in the trial of punchline they've been talking so much about it we're actually here uh, and it 13. goes about exactly yeah, it goes about exactly times. as you would expect. Yes, yeah, 13 times they've been mentioning this upcoming trial. And we're here. We are at the trial. Um, and uh, I guess um, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, prosecution 
is about as terrible as the O.J. Simpson uh, team or something because apparently they are that. terrible. Yeah, they are they are terrible at uh, at putting together a compelling case without uh, some meaningful evidence. Um, even though, well, anyway, point is they're screwing up, and uh, it seems like Punchline's defense might have the upper hand, which they seemingly do as they interview uh, and and. A guard at, at uh, Blackgate who seemingly has his whole deal put on display and, and uh, really helps Punchline's case. They bring Punchline to the stand and she gives a whole spiel about Gotham City and how they apparently really love the Joker, which, hey, she's not entirely wrong about that. Um, and finally, they bring their last witness to the stand, none other than Mr. Cullen Rowe himself, who, as we know, has been given uh, marching orders by his boyfriend Bluff to work for the um, Royal Flush gang and lie on the stand um, and basically talk about how great Punchline is um, and and betray his sister, which he, being a good brother, does not do. Shocking everyone. Yeah, um, surprise the hell out of me. Yeah, angry about that. Cullen has his little, I guess, come-to-Jesus moment towards the end when he's talking to Leslie and really coming to the realization that Punchline is not a good person and that he was used by everyone else around him. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, uh, just like OJ, uh, Punchline gets off, not guilty, and will be walking the streets of Gotham in no time. Which Unless, is really course, weird because her gloves do fit. Her gloves do fit. They fit quite well. <laughs> and in fact, I would say they're going to be fitting quite well around some poor, unsuspecting schmuck's throat within the near future. Of Gotham City, um, but in any case, this is um, the point where we're almost done, and uh, I think that's probably the nicest thing I have to say about it. It was very entertaining to read a trial. I love reading trial stories. I don't know how much I cared about this one, so I don't know. It's like whatever, basically. It's like okay, we got the punchline trial. Cool, it happened. Now it's over. Um, right. I don't know how they're going to wrap this up. I assume some surprise reveal of Kelly Ness, and maybe they'll have a retrial or something. I don't know. But uh, as for right now, I feel like my interest in this series has been just like up and down and up and down, and this is one of those down points, even though the art from Belen Ortega is stunning. So 7 out of 10 for me. Main story was definitely more interesting, but... Uh, just uh, not not a lot to go on here. Yeah, look, there, guys listening out there in uh, podcast land, there was a little bit of we 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 weren't sure if Brandon was going to be able to make it to this recording session. He's been swamped. He's got a thousand jobs, going to school, and the whole nine yards. <laughs> so there was a very high potential I would have had to review the Joker book myself. My comments following Brandon's review is the exact same should I have been reviewing it myself, and it is as follows. There's a trial. Punchline's found not guilty. Thank you for making me take 13 issues to get to that point for no reason. Very pretty art, and done. 4.5 out of 10. The whole thing got 5.25. That sounds about right. Honestly, as has been the case, and I've never mentioned this with every Joker issue, 
I've been enjoying the main run, but I always forget about the damn backup because it's just not been interesting to me. Me too. I might have enjoyed some parts, but ultimately, I just don't care about Punchline. It's been a slag. I'm happy that's almost done. I think you guys mentioned it's been 13 times that they've mentioned a trial. The trial's here. She's free. whoop de friggin do what 13 now? different backups that this has been going on for and not that it has anything to do with the art because i do enjoy the art i've enjoyed the art no matter who's been doing it but i don't feel like i've enjoyed this backup since sweeney boo left the series which was like i don't know part two maybe part three yeah sucks i don't even <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> the art was really good back then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, just, I, I don't care about punchline, period. Nope. As interesting as a Joker sidekick replacement for Harley Quinn, as her own character, kind of dull. Very dull. Psychotic. Not I hope everyone that ran out and got punchline tattoos after that preview image from Tynan got leaked or released, I hope they are all filled with regret right now. Well, what the hell did I do? Laser that off, son. <laughs> I hope it was worth your money. Um, right. But... Uh... Yeah, the uh, I don't know. I I mean, I think people really love cosplaying as Punchline, but uh, I feel like the hype is is not there in this uh, this backup. Definitely not. Yeah. So I I don't even really have a score for the backup. I I might take a page out of Brandon's book and just give it a no score. I just <laughs> I can't be bothered with this one anymore. A no. Not no from Venom. Just a no score. <laughs> right. No, not a zip zero. Oh, wait, that's a score. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Done in a way with the jokes today. What's coming up next? Well, it's uh, it's funny that we ended on a trial because our next book just so happens to be yet another trial. And let's see if this trial was uh, a little bit more interesting. Uh, I, unfortunately, have to sit out on this one uh, as I did not get a chance to read uh, both Trial and Nubia of the Amazons back-to-back. As uh, Josh said, it's been a a pretty busy week on my end. Um, But I'm interested to hear what's going on in the world of the Amazons, how they all did not kill each other the moment they stepped in the room, considering how much these tribes generally dislike each other so uh we'll we'll see what's uh, what's going on with the amazons i've heard some things i've heard some rumors i've heard some uh some spoilers even so uh I- i'm interested to see how it-, it all actually happened yeah way to go dc you pretty much spoiled the whole damn thing for everybody <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was that unfortunately that was not dc that was uh Mr. Rich Johnson over at, at Bleeding Crew. Oh, oh excuse me. Uh, when Rich you see Johnson. spoiler in the, the headline, sometimes you just click. And I saw it, and I was like, well, I know. Yep. Thanks, Rich Johnson. Brilliant. Anyway, I'm not going to tear into him. We all know how I feel about Rich Johnson. Yes, I am. How can you be an editor and not know how to spell? Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> Trust me, you don't. You don't need to explain yourself. I'm sure 
all of us have at one point or another had a, a not so pleasant interaction with Mr. Johnston. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at the same as much as I I hate Rich Johnston as much as the next guy, but there are far worse out there. There is way worse. Oh Looking yeah. At you, Cosmic Book News. Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> personal enemy all right let's get into the trial let's get into the trial so i i will admit right now um my synopsis because the the book itself was very big and i honestly don't think the page count was that much more but there was a lot of story in it i did kind of skim down my synopsis but in the interest in brandon having not read it yet I will pad out some details uh, on the fly because there was a lot of story here. Uh, And there was a lot of writers and a lot of artists as well, such as Stephanie Mm -hmm. Williams, Vita Ayala, Joel Jones, Michael W. Conrad, and Becky Cloonan on writing duties with art from Laura Braga, Skylar Pittridge, Joel Jones, and Elena Casagrande, and colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. and Jordi Belair with letters... From a singular person in Papro, so this person can just do the entire book solo. Congratulations. Very well done. You don't need help. Uh, a cover from Jim Chung and Dave, J. David Ramos, which I thought was a very beautiful cover. So we have the three tribes of the Amazon, the Themyscirin, the Banamigdal, and the Escasita have all joined to meet on Paradise Island, otherwise known as Themyscira, to take part in the trials for the right to guard Doom's doorway. And for the most part, the tribes get along, but the Banna Migdal are a little aggressive, and Queen Faruka acts a little too high and mighty against the other tribes, full-on just being rude to Queen Nubia and to pretty much everyone on the island, all except for Diana, who she seemingly gets along with after even they had a bit of a... almost a big fight, and it got talked down, hugged it out, and yeah, decided. I think it's more of like a mutual respect than it is yeah. a fondness. I don't yeah, think Faruka likes know. anybody. That, that, was, that part was really weird because there was some big grudge shit going on, and then somebody said, calm down, and there were like big smiles, and I think they hugged. It was really awkward. I don't know. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Faruka is, is Diana's stepsister, right? Oh, yeah. I I got really lost with the family traits with all the, the Amazons because I, I see the same names passed around everywhere through different stories and I'm kind of getting confused on who's who at this point. Well, I mean, that tracks. The Amazons yeah. come from the gods and, you know, yeah. they kind of bounce around in beds a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the Banna McDowell kind of just barged their way in to take part in the trials uh they met they were met with some resistance at the gate at the themiscarian embassy i believe it was uh, but they are invited in with open arms by queen nubia and then the escasita arrive very loudly and very prominently thanks to oh wonder girl oh my god i forget her name now yara floor yara floor thank you there were, there were three wonder girls in that panel um, but Yara Flora comes screaming in on her horse, Jerry. I love that horse. Fucking right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and invites the Escasita in to take part in the trial. And they 
while the newest tribe on the scene with the Amazons. Very little is known about them overall from other Amazons, but they seem to be honestly some of the nicest, especially compared to the Band of Migdal. So there's a great feast that the Am- the Themyscirans host for all the Amazons. To It's honestly very reminiscent of the Goblet of Fire feast in Harry Potter, <laughs> is what I was thinking of. I hope I don't upset somebody with that comparison. It's just, it looked a lot like it. the three tribes and the four houses just like giving each other the stink eye. It's, yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, some ground rules are laid down about what the event is going to be and the, the three trials will be taking place and how each Amazonian tribe has to appoint a singular member to take part. And at the end of it all, by the fate of the gods, there will be one person left standing and Queen Faruka, acting high and mighty yet again, gets a little snippy and a little sarcastic and then demands... A stipulation that whoever does win gets to rule all of Amazonia at the same time, to which Queen Nubia agrees. Yet the Queen of the Escasita was oddly silenced during that entire exchange and was just part of that, so that'll happen. Right. Uh, so after the Great Feast, a few of the Amazonians split up into different groups. Uh, Hippolyta, freshly back from her time with the Justice League, goes off to her bedchambers to meet with her own beloved and meet elsewhere under a willow tree, uh, but is not there when her beloved is, and I don't remember who that was, <laughs> uh, is, is there and cannot find her, but Queen Nubia goes to the bedchambers of Hippolyta and finds her unconscious, pretty much dead, actually dead, potentially poisoned due to a spillage of wine next to her body. So that's what I think I'm thinking. I got all the major points. Yeah, it looks like that. Gasp. Yeah. Gasp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Did, did any of you watch uh, Murderville? It's not the ringing Netflix the bell. Series. I don't no. believe so, no. Check it out. It, it's pretty funny. It It's uh, <laughs> basically a detective show. It's like a, like a murder mystery whodunit. With, with different guests? Six episodes. Yeah, six different celebrities. I have guests. seen it. Okay, yeah. And the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the different um, celebrity guests show up to take part in a, in a, in a detective mystery show, but, um, they are, it's, it's all improv and each one is a new mystery and they're kind of silly mysteries, but it it was, it was, it was enjoyable. I forgot the name of it, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, Did you give your uh, score? No, honestly, sorry. I got distracted because we were doing the gasp thing. And I was thinking it was like one of the scenes in that show, but that's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm going on. I'm rambling. Sad, I, My review for this honestly, I fantastic opening. I think for this kind of event, um, I think the story is interesting and the art is wonderful. And I'm really hoping when this is all said and done, we get a Wonder Woman Renaissance after this, just to see more potential great stories from this entire world. Because honestly there's a lot of Batman and not enough of everything else. And there's so much potential here, especially with three new tribes. 
Uh, so for this first part, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Fair enough. I feel like this was a pretty decent introduction to the trials, though I do feel like the Escazita didn't get a lot of, of page time. I guess uh, Escazita means the forgotten, and I guess that kind of translated here. <laughs> the Bonham McDowell got a little bit too much page time, but I might think that just because Farouk gets on my nerves. She only cares about power. I don't care what else she says. That's always been the case, and I feel like uh, Faruka would have been better served being a villain. Um, I did like it, though. It, it got confusing for a couple of panels there because it looked like the dialogue bubbles for Faruka and Diana were swapped, but, um, of course, uh, Hippolyta is dead. Everyone already knew that because of Rich Johnson. Uh, but this 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 book, man, it had great art. It was a really good opening. Uh, I just at this point, I was hoping that it carried into part two. I gave the I gave Trial of the Amazons one seven point seven five out of ten, and I guess that carries us right into Nubia and the Amazons, eh? Yeah, uh, I do believe so. So uh, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> All right, this one was written by. Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala, with art from Alita Martinez, Mark Morales, Romulo Friardo Jr., and Becky Carey brought letters wrapped in a cover from Daryl Banks and Hi-Fi, and it looked really good. Um, so this issue starts out a few days later at Hippolyta's funeral with each tribe offering their respects. A page later, and we see Amazons moving boxes around outside of Doom's doorway. Later, they hold a vote to see if they want to postpone the contest, and no one votes yes. And then Cassie offers to keep investigating Hippolyta's murder while the contest is going on. We go back to Doom's doorway, and we get introduced to a black cat that Nubia found behind Doom's doorway. And that seems like a place where things that are there should stay there. As a matter of fact, that's the whole purpose of the door. I don't like this cat, okay? It's named Nyx, which just so happens to be a Roman figure, the goddess of night and daughter of chaos. So I'm thinking at this point, the cat is bad news. I could be reading into it too much, but uh, it's just something to keep in mind as the story continues. On the training grounds, when all of the people who were supposed to be watching Doom's Doorway are walking along this path, an arrow flies by the face of Andromeda, and of course, it was one of the Bonham McDowell. Carisi almost starts a fight with one of them until she's shaken out of it at night with a bit of chaos. Uh, maybe I'm still stuck on the cat. Cut to Nubia's chamber where she and Medusa are talking, and Medusa says she was offered a way out from behind Doom's doorway by someone named Aperon, which is, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a mythology nerd. It, it is a misspelling of a perion, uh, the Greek word for without end. And also, uh, it's the source of uh, conflicting words. It's basically the Greek version of yin and yang. Um, but that conversation is cut short by Diana coming in, and Medusa gets up and excuses herself. She tells, um, uh, that's when Wonder Woman says, uh, after 
Okay, so Hippolyta says to her, you know, we're going to take, or not Hippolyta, Nubia says to her, we're going to take care of this. Just let me get this contest out of the way. Diana says, no, I'm not having that. And I will use the lasso of truth to find out who killed my mama. So I did enjoy this one a bit more. The art is great and it's a pretty good issue. But shouldn't this be Shouldn't both of these be part of the road to the trial, seeing how we didn't even get the trial or even have it start? If I was grading the arc as a whole, it would probably be lower than that because of that, but um, I'm not. That said, I am going to give this issue the same as I gave the first one, which is a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of sad that's the final issue because, honestly, I, would, I, I didn't love all of it, but I would love to see more adventures from all these characters. The whole cast, I think, was very interesting, um, but what a way to finish it off with this event. Um, like I said with the first part, I'm really digging this event so far, and this is no different. I really like it. That The art's good. The story's good. It's kind of awkward to rate Nubia and the Amazons number six as a series and as an issue when it's part of this event but and not kind of rent the whole event at the same time uh, yeah 8.5 for this one um, it's part two of the seven part event last issue of the, the series like I said it's a shame we'll, we'll see maybe in the future we'll get more Nubia and we'll get more Amazons Andromeda and, and all the other Amazons that came at the beginning of the series. Maybe. I hope so. Did I lose you guys? Nope. Still here. Just wasn't sure if you guys had anything else to add about uh, the trial of the Amazons. Nope, that that's it. I just I, I it's a great opening. It is a very interesting beginning to an arc and I'm excited about where it's going to go. Looking forward to it. Very cool. Well, with that we will transition to our last book for this week, uh part of another crossover. So I guess we're uh finishing up with our crossovers for this week. That is Superman Son of Kal-El number 9, the second and final part of the two-part crossover with the Nightwing book, both, of course, written by Tom Taylor and uh, also both written or both illustrated by uh, Bruno Redondo, who's doing phenomenal, uh, with colors from Adriano Lucas, inks from Bruno Redondo and Wade Von Grawbadger, and letters from uh, the name that I should have written down uh, but uh, did not, and that is Wes Abbott. Um, so, as a conclusion to our arc, uh, it's a bit hard to call it a conclusion as we pick up um, a little bit after our uh, last issue where um, we had discovered that the Rising were working for LexCorp, were working for Lex Luthor, and they had traced the source of their energy to uh, the LexCorp building. Um, and we pick up here where all the heroes have been told to lie low, given that the Rising is targeting supers. 
Um, except for one, our, our lovable beacon of light, Mr. Dick Grayson Nightwing, who in his uh, hubris has decided to practice in Metropolis anyway, uh, only uh, we reveal that it's not just hubris, but actually a bit of a tactical move, um, that uh, the truth had organized with, I think had organized with, or John had organized with Dick uh, to keep him active enough and report on him enough that the Rising... Uh, would see his activities and uh, come running for him, and they would be able to uh, get uh, some more info on the rising um, in the in the meantime. Uh, so as they're confronting Dick, and uh, that sounded gross. As they're confronting Nightwing, um, and are uh, <laughs> and are uh, uh, threatening him with uh, all the power that the rising has at their hand, uh, John enters the fray and uh, seemingly is uh, ready to kick the snot out of them and uh, show them that the Rising may be here to stay, but Superman is also here to stay, and that's uh, a lot more deadly uh, than I think they're ready to deal with, which is the exact sentiments that uh, President Bendix has in that uh, the Rising are really no match for the strength of Superman, um, and before they have a chance to completely pull out one member of the Rising, uh, has a bomb that is registered within his mind, uh, activated by Bendix, and uh, is seemingly killed, though as we later find out, uh, that will be reported as Superman's fault, not the fault of Bendix. Uh, and it will look as though Superman was the one who killed him. But naturally, having someone explode right in front of your eyes would be pretty traumatic, as it is for John and uh, Nightwing. Can, can we say that this is... This dude's head blew up after the dipshit decided it was a good idea to headbutt Superman. Yeah, it was uh, not a very smart move on, on his part. Um, but uh, Nightwing is sort of consoling John back at the Kent home, um, you know, making sure that he's okay and that um, he's not going to give him any kind of phony words about, oh, this and that, and you could have done because... Frankly, that's a lie, and uh, it wouldn't do any good to lie to John right now. But the best thing that Dick can do is just listen to him, talk to him, and, and just try and be there for him in his moment of need. Um, we uh, get some more character stuff between Dick and John, uh, a particularly touching scene where John reveals that in his time on Earth-3, uh, while he had hoped that you know his dad or any number of people would come to his aid... Um, he actually was hoping that one of those people might be Nightwing and, and that uh, Dick would show up like he did that one day in the cave and, you know, give him a lollipop and tell him that everything was going to be okay. Um, but it never happened, and that sort of left John in the cold, feeling as though he was alone. Uh, asks him some questions about imposter syndrome and feeling like he's not up to the role of Superman, and uh, Dick reveals that when he was Batman, he felt the same way, which... Uh, if you've ever read uh, Morrison's Batman and Robin, you know that is 100% the case. Frequently kept saying, I'm not up to this. This is Bruce's job. I feel mm -hmm. like I'm a, a kid in a costume um, and, and definitely struggled with that imposter syndrome before a while, um, before finally settling into the role of Batman. Um, but uh, breaking that, that somber moment is, is uh, Jay busting in and, and demanding that, that John... <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, that John needs to uh, to turn on the news and find out what's going on. Dick Grayson is naturally confused because a strange man just burst through the 
the, the wall and he's no idea who that is. Um, and uh, of course, Lois has about the same reaction, though dialed to about 100 as she bursts in with her giant rifle. Um, but uh, Jay is just trying to communicate that, uh, well, if you look at the news feeds, everyone is reporting that uh, John is the killer of this member of the Rising, and uh, the evidence does not look good. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, really, the I would say the, the most important aspect of this issue is um, setting up Dick as a mentor, officially as a mentor, uh, for this new Superman, uh, and John sort of being uh, Dick's protege. Um, within this new relationship, which I think will be very interesting moving forward. I really hope that that is something that they can stick to, just kind of seeing um, Dick being a really good mentor for John, mm-hmm. especially as he you know, comes into his own as a hero. Um, so it's been a very solid crossover so far. Um, sad to see it come to an end, but it's, it's, it's really kind of hard to call it a traditional big epic crossover. It's, it's almost more of like a setup of this is the new relationship going forward where Dick is going to be the mentor and uh, John the mentee, and uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, as always, Bruno Redondo is the superstar here and uh, did this gorgeous connecting cover uh, between this issue and the last issue of Nightwing that I absolutely love uh, and is bringing such a wonderful energy to this book that um, I appreciate so very much. So... Uh, as a surprise to no one, I very much enjoyed this issue, and I gave it an eight point five out of ten. Uh, I, I too, I feel like this goes a long way to establish how close Superman and Nightwing are going to become. Even flat out using the word mentor, uh, which John jumps at, and while I will always miss the John Damian team ups with John being older and looking up to Nightwing like he does and always has, this does feel like a pretty perfect fit. The art, of course, is great. It has Redondo's name on it. You almost don't even have to say that. The story's pretty good, and the humor is ever-present, though a bit less in this issue. Taylor is doing a hell of a job with these flagship titles, and I am really happy that I have something to love this week. I, I do wish there was more, but I feel like the pacing fit the content in a really good way. I also gave it an 8.5. Yeah, honestly, uh, amazing crossover. Taylor and Redondo are doing great work together. Uh, and like Brandon said, it's a shame that this crossover has to end so soon. But the way it ends, I, honestly, hopefully this means more of this duo to come. Especially if Dick is investing in the truth. Homeboy is yeah. taking up the Batman role whether or not he likes it or not. Because yeah. he's fitting to be everywhere, man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he's the next Oliver Queen supposedly, ready to just jump into any book because he has the cash. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see. Honestly, this it's Tom Taylor's become easily become my favorite writer in the industry right now. I I've loved everything I've read from him, uh, without delay, without any problems. And this is no different. Nightwing is one of my favorite books in, in all of comics right now, as is Son of Kal-El. And to have these two crossover was just a just a treat. Um, and I just hope we get to see more of this duo together. We really do, because it, it was a brilliant pairing, and Bruno Redondo just friggin' fantastic. 
so this issue was 9.5. Uh, might be a little high, but I loved it. I can tell. <laughs> I can't tell. Um, excellent scores for that one, but I guess we are all out of books this week, huh? We are all out of books, but we're not quite done just yet. We'll be moving on to our top three books for this week, as well as a standout moment before we make our final transition to our biggest stinker. But uh, we have a special transition for that, as you know, so we're not quite there yet. But to kick us off, let's look at our top three books for this week, starting with you, Josh. All right. Well, mine were pretty... Mine were the last three books that we talked about. I am going to give number one to Son of Kal-El, Superman, Son of Kal-El. We can't say enough good things about what's coming out of that part of the DC universe, and that's for a very good reason. Number two goes to Nubia and the Amazons, and number three goes to Trial of the Amazons because they were a seriously solid setup for what I expect to be and seriously hope to be an amazing expansion of the Wonder Woman universe, which I feel like we desperately need. Donna Troy deserves to be more than a a side character. Uh, Artemis deserves to be more than a side character. Honestly, all of these wonder characters I, I I really care about with maybe the exception of Cassie Sandsmark but um I I used to really enjoy that character she's just been gone so much that I I, I worry and almost expect that something is definitely going to happen to her uh, but those are my top three my favorite moment I uh there weren't many standout moments for me this week unless you count Bruno Redondo's art, but we always do that, and I can't help myself but go right back to it. Um, two parts that I loved out of there was the simple little diagram that we should get showing Dick activating his wingsuit. That was pretty cool. And I loved Dick's t-shirt that says, Approved by the Authority of DC Comics. That was also pretty yeah. wicked. <laughs> Uh, I'll go next. Uh, number three was kind of hard to choose and became kind of a toss-up between Nubia and the Joker, but I gave it to the Joker this time. Uh, while Nubia is ending, it's part two of a greater story, and the Joker is near its end. I, I think I just enjoyed the artwork a little bit more in that one. Number two, I had Trial of the Amazons, number one. Uh, for all the reasons said earlier, just a great start to, I think, is going to be a fantastic event. And number one, I had Son of Kal-El uh, for every friggin' reason under the sun. And my <laughs> favorite moments, uh, also from Son of Kal-El, uh, is when Jay pops in and Dick grabs the first thing in his reach and is a stuffed woolly mammoth and is ready to just attack with a stuffed toy. <laughs> right. ready to go at a moment's <laughs> I'm going to beat you to death with Fluffy yeah. <laughs> excellent 
Uh, my top three for this week were at number three. I had uh, Batgirls, just solid stuff. Um, at number two, I had The Joker. Even if it was shorter than I'd have liked, it does feel like it's at least kind of setting up an interesting ending. Um, but at number one, as uh, as both of you did, I had Superman, Son of Kal-El. Phenomenal issue to this short little crossover, and I'm very interested to see how the relationship between um, Nightwing and uh, Superman will play out in the future. Uh, my favorite moment um, was not a particularly good moment, but it is a moment that made me laugh, which was, uh, and I think we've mentioned it a couple times, uh, Detective Comics, when Batman shows up in the Batplane, <laughs> proclaims, this is Batman, I've got Nightwing, and catches him like Robin, like Lois Lane, again, I assume shattering every single bone in his body. It was so ridiculous and comical that I, 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 I LOL'd, I laughed out loud, um, and, uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was ridiculous. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah. it got a chuckle out of me, so I'll, I'll give it my favorite moment for this week. Fair. All right, mm, on to our enough. biggest stinker. Before we move on to the next part, I just want to give a shout out to the uh, graphic novel by Brenda Deenan, uh, Green Arrow Stranded. That was pretty good. And also, I enjoyed Future State Gotham this this week. Past that, you're right. It is time for The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. And my biggest stinker... This was another week of me not liking much, in case you guys couldn't tell. Justice League vs. the Legion of Superheroes is pretty much a disaster, but I expected that. The biggest disappointment to me is Naomi, because there is such great potential and so much waste. And again, I just want to drive this home. According to Bendis, one week has passed since the ending of Season 1. Can I also take a second to complain about that as a whole across the industry? Comics don't have seasons, and I understand Green Lantern did too, and I love that run, but they have volumes, issue numbers, story arcs, collected trades, but not seasons. That's a TV show. Let's just clear that up right now. That's my biggest stinker. Yeah, fair enough. I get that. I get that. Uh, Batgirls. Yeah, just not doing it for me just not doing it for me it's honestly i don't love the art too much it's good but i just it's a very cutesy story with very cutesy art and it just doesn't sit well with me right now it just beat it like justice league versus legion of superheroes had a lower score but that at least has a lantern in it so that was another (laughs) stinker for me get a free two Free two bonus points. <laughs> uh, my biggest stinker would probably go to Naomi. Hardly a terrible book, um, at least for me, but uh, more so just a complete and total lack of interest. Um, logical, you know, mess ups aside, it's just not really a story that I, I had all that much interest in. I thought the first one was cute for what it was, but uh, this feels like it's giving me nothing to chew on and uh i i don't feel any kind of um excitement or um 
you know, motivation to read the rest of this miniseries. So. All right. I get that. Um, is there anything that anyone would like to nominate for the dump list? Sounds like there are a couple we didn't like, so maybe we can uh, consider moving those to the dump list. Well, we've got we've got one issue left of Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes, and we just uh, got the six issues. So we had, oh, I thought there was only three. Six. I thought it was yeah. three. Oh shit! When the hell did that happen? I thought it was three yeah. as well. <laughs> oh well, okay. Um, <laughs> As a matter of fact, I want to it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Naomi was my biggest stinker, but I do want to see. I I, I don't want to shit on it quite yet. I'm gonna. I want to give it one more issue to see if it's worth a damn. But uh, yeah, uh, I am totally fine with Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes, which is not Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes, nor is it the revelation of the saga of the Gold Lantern. It's it's Brian Michael Bendis getting paid. That's what it is. And I'm cool with that going on the dump list if the two of you are. No arguments here? Yeah, I'm good with it. Also, clarification, I said I liked Future State Gotham this week. I actually didn't read that one. I meant Batman Urban Legends. <laughs> oh, uh, here I was going to say, if you like Future State Gotham, <laughs> I, I've, I've, yeah. been re- I've been still reading it. I haven't read this one yet, but I have flipped through it. And honestly, the next Joker storyline is kind of interesting. Is yeah. it? I'll have to, I'll have to go it's back and pick up bad. the last few. Yeah. What'd you say, Brandon? I said it's uh, it's not bad. All right. Well, then so we'll have to. It's gotten better since the first arc. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. An interesting subplot with Talia and Nightwing going on as well. Oh, well, then I guess Talia doesn't die, huh? Well, this, this is an entirely alternate universe now. Oh. Okay, then. Well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that's it for the books. All good and bad and ugly. Yep. 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 So we are finished with our reviews for this week. Thank you for listening. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. But with that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Man, I'm so upset about Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. I mean, we're... How in the hell is this not... Wait, did you say that this has 12 issues? Six issues. Six issues. That's still... God, it's gonna... It would... It would... It would no, it's, it would, it's on the cover. It says one of six. Yeah. My bad. I don't know. Maybe for me it was just wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, here's to hoping that next week has some good comics in it. Like some really good comics. Yeah, I haven't even uh, I haven't even looked at what's uh, what's coming out next week, so I have no idea. Yeah.